0: be after him. Our gospel lesson comes from the gospel of Mark chapter 8. And then Jesus began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Courage is not something that we think of as a traditional Christian virtue. Courage is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. You won't find it in any New Testament list of virtues. And nevertheless, courage is a a deeply biblical virtue that shows up in rather surprising ways throughout the Bible. What is courage? Here's how it is traditionally defined. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Courage is the strength to face pain or grief or danger. Words like bravery, valor, strength, nerve, boldness, um, daring, these words come to mind when we define the meaning of courage. And the opposite of courage is fear. Now, if we're looking for biblical references to courage, that becomes most visible through what is the vice of courage, or the opposite of courage, which is fear. Um, The most repeated command that God gives in the Bible is do not fear, do not be afraid. 365 times, somewhere in there, with I'm sure many other references, God says do not fear. And so if we want to think about courage as the opposite of fear, um, I think the Bible has a lot to say about courage. But I think there's a very good reason that the Bible doesn't talk about courage using the the, the traditional word courage. You you do find the word courage in the scriptures, um, but it's not prominent in the way that uh, many other Christian virtues are, like love or humility. And I think the reason is, is a good one, because when we think about courage, Courage tends to focus us inward upon ourselves, or in upon ourselves to summon uh, inner strength to uh, face our fears, right? And so um, the traditional virtue of courage kinda says find and summon that strength and valor within yourself in order to face the things that make you afraid. Trust yourself, find strength in yourself. Courage is a natural virtue. You find it in all uh, cultures and traditions. Every language has some kind of a a word for courage and a recognition of it. It is a a natural virtue, if you will, that is esteemed by all cultures in one way or another. But the thing about courage is it doesn't necessarily lead you closer to God, uh, which is what Biblical virtues do, they lead us closer to God. It doesn't necessarily require you to trust in God. You can develop courage towards life in a a natural way, and there are many people who have no faith whatsoever, but actually demonstrate a great deal of courage in the way that they live. Now, the Bible does want us to face our fears, um, but not simply by summoning inner strength. It actually does do that at times, But the Bible wants us to face our fears not by summoning an inner strength, but by deepening our trust and faith in God. And this is really the biblical understanding of courage. The biblical understanding of courage is to deepen your faith and your trust in God. I'll call it the courage of faith, just to distinguish it from natural forms of courage. And the more we grow in, in our ability to trust God with our lives, the more we grow in courage. And so, in a, in a way, I think that the virtue of courage falls under the category in the Bible of faith. That, in a way, to have courage is to have faith as a Christian. And, but I, I think it's, courage doesn't exhaust the full meaning of faith, but I think what's helpful about reflecting on courage is that I think it pulls into focus some essential aspects of what it means to put our faith and trust in God. And I want to explore that with you this evening the season of Lent is one of those seasons that requires of us the courage of faith. And the reason it requires the courage of faith is because it focuses us upon the cross. You know, for 2,000 years, uh, the cross has been a symbol of the Christian faith, it's been a symbol of, of salvation, we have a cross behind us. Um, in many ways, the cross has been uh, spiritually and theologically domesticated. Uh, it doesn't quite have the shock and awe that it had in its original context. In the Roman Empire of the first century, the cross was an object that struck fear and terror into the hearts of people. Crucifixion was a means of torture and execution that the Roman Empire used to punish its enemies. To be hung on a cross meant certain death, humiliating painful, certain death. So the cross was synonymous with death itself. And during Lent, we are summoned by Jesus himself to turn our hearts to the meaning of the cross. That to follow him means to pick up our crosses. But I think in reality, though, there is that when we really meet a true cross, our instinct is to flee. It is to go in the opposite direction from that cross. And this is what you see when you read the Gospels. When you get closer and closer to the end of the Gospels, and you start seeing what Jesus' disciples do, the closer he gets to the cross, the more his circle of friends and intimates shrinks, to the point that when you get to the cross, Jesus is all alone. They abandon him, they flee, they follow at a distance, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that, that Peter was following Jesus as a distance after he was arrested, but eventually he completely buckles. Questioned by a servant girl around a campfire, they say, hey, aren't you one of those Galileans? And Peter is overcome with fear, and he denies the Lord. He's like, I don't know this man. And he does it three times. Jesus' closest friends, his inner circle, the men who pledged loyalty undying loyalty and with the prospect of the cross are overcome by fear and they abandon him why were they overcome by fear why were they such cowards this seems to be a surprising turn of events especially if you think about the person of peter who was the most vocal and bold of Jesus' disciples. Peter himself, on numerous occasions, made great acclamations of his fidelity and his loyalty to Jesus. At one point, Jesus says that when the shepherd has struck him, the sheep will scatter, and Peter's response is, Lord, even though all fall away, I will not fall away. Peter says, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. And this would appear to be the case, all the way up to the point of Jesus' arrest when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's betrayed by Judas, and a whole legion of Roman soldiers and the high priests come to take Jesus away, and what you see Peter doing is pulling out his sword, and he's ready to fight, and he actually strikes a man. He cuts off the servant of the high priest, his ear. It would seem that Peter is ready to fight. It seems like he has a lot of courage. I mean, he's going to take on a whole Roman legion by himself, And however misguided Peter's action might seem to be, it does seem to be an act of courage, does it not? But something happens to Peter in the course of 24 hours where one moment he's wielding the sword to defend Jesus, to die for Jesus, to the next he's denying Jesus, denying that he ever knew him before a servant girl. And what's interesting is that Peter was willing to die for Jesus as a warrior in battle, but he was completely undone by the thought of dying like Jesus through crucifixion these were different kinds of death there's no honor in the kind of death that Jesus died to die as a warrior in battle you at least get to keep your honor your reputation perhaps stories will be told about you of your deeds you keep you get to keep your own the image of yourself of who you think you are, but to die on a cross is ignoble, it is a shameful death. It means you die as a failure, as a reject. It is a death without dignity. And not only was it is to die on a cross to have your very biological life taken away from you, but it is to have your very self and your sense of identity stripped away from you. It is death to oneself in the most profound, um, shattering way that you can imagine. And this is precisely what it was for Jesus. When you read the crucifixion accounts, and they're quite elaborate of what happens to Jesus, he is slowly and meticulously undone through torture and mockery and humiliation and nakedness and shame to where there's nothing left, literally. The skin off his back is gone. He loses his self. That is the cross, and it confronts us, it confronted Peter with his greatest fear, the loss of his very self in the most profound way imaginable. Who would not be afraid of that? You would have to be a fool to not be afraid of that. And this, I think, puts into perspective the radical nature of Jesus' call to discipleship. Hear that again. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life loses his self, herself, her identity, for my sake and for the gospel's will save it. What is brothers and sisters, what is that thing that strikes fear into your heart? What is the thing that you are most afraid of losing? Or the thing that you're most afraid of confronting? That is the cross. Whatever it looks like in your life, that is the cross. See, Jesus, in the season of Lent, and really through the whole of our lives, but especially in the season of Lent, calls us to confront our fears. The reality is, is that so much sin in our life comes from living reactively and defensively to ward off the things that we fear the most if you're able to dig back the layers of all the things that we do, that you do that are sinful, deep down is fear, fear of death, fear of the loss of yourself. And so we build up all of these ways of defending ourselves and reacting and managing our world. And what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to look at these fears and he wants us to look at the reality of death behind these fears and he wants us to stand our ground to stare it in the eye. See, the cross will come in many different shapes and forms in our life. Not all of our crosses look the same. No cross looks the same for any person, which is why I think observing Lent is so important for us, because the spirituality of Lent has to do with personalizing the cross in your life. That's what Lent is really about. It's about personalizing the cross. It's not just, you know, here's the theology, here's what Jesus did, It's personalizing it, it's it's asking the question, Lord, what what are the crosses in my life? What are the things that I'm suffering or that confront me that I don't want to recognize as crosses? Or the things I flee from or the fears I avoid or I don't want to talk about? What are those things I live in fear of? See, Lent is that special time that seeks to draw those things into focus and one of the things we do during Lent, not everybody does it, but I do encourage you to do it. Um, you know, be led by the Spirit. Some people fast and give up different things. Um, and there's, there's value in that because in our lives we often have various things by which we comfort ourselves. We're always seeking to comfort ourselves. We often comfort ourselves through drink or watching television or numbing ourselves. And in doing that, we distract ourselves, we numb ourselves, we, we please ourselves such that we kind of tune out the rumbling, the rumbling, in the background of fear, of death. And Lent is that time where you try to quiet and still those things. And you try to turn to the Lord and you say, Lord, what what are those things you want to show me about myself? What are those fears you want to bring to light that you want me to face? And friends, to do this takes a lot of courage, I think. Which brings us back to a definition of courage. See, what Peter had in the garden Wielding his sword was natural courage, however foolhardy it might have been. But what he lacked was the courage of faith. The natural virtue of courage is something that anybody can cultivate in their life through practice and modeling. But when it comes to facing the greatest fear of our life, which is the fear of death, and the way it manifests itself in a variety of ways in our life, only the courage of faith is adequate. Natural courage alone will lead us to the same situation the disciples were in, that when they faced the cross, they literally melted with fear. And they fell away. See, natural courage can help you face the enemies enemies that are without, but only the courage of faith can help you face the enemies that are within. See, at the end of the day, the thing that is the hardest for us to look at and to have courage to see is what is inside of us, not what is outside of us. And this, is, this requires the courage of faith, and it is a supernatural courage because it comes from God. So what is the Christian understanding of courage? At root, courage of faith is not about facing the enemies that are outside of me. They're about facing the enemies that are within me. And arguably the most courageous and brave thing that you can do is look inside yourself to see yourself as you truly are, without looking away. To see yourself as God sees you. without turning away your gaze. And the thing is, is that when the cross confronts us, it, it confronts us with our weaknesses, with our sinfulness, with our um, mortality. <laughs> and these are hard things for us to accept. And to have courage is to be able to accept one's own existence, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's the thing friends, when God looks at you, it's not like all he sees is sinfulness and weakness and folly. He certainly sees that, (laughs) but he also sees the the creature created in his image that he loves and that he wants to glorify. But we're sort of a mixed bag of good, bad, and ugly. And generally as we have ideal images of ourselves, rarely, Does our own image of ourselves reflect the reality of who we really are? And the journey of Lent is about learning to see ourselves in the eyes of God, which is to come to see all of my existence as it has been given to me, and then to release that, in a sense, to the Pand of God, the providence of God. It is a sense of acceptance but not in the way that our culture talks about acceptance. That in our culture, acceptance simply means, I'm always good, I'm always loved. The biblical understanding is that you are loved, but you're also a sinner <laughs> that God wants to transform and to redeem. The courage of faith is learning to live with yourself with a deep sense that the Lord holds the whole of your life, all of who you are, all that you've gone through in his hands, and is providentially directing your life to salvation and to glory. Now the reality is, is this is a very hard um, thing to do. The courage of faith doesn't come naturally. It is a supernatural gift. We are easily overcome by even the simplest fears of our life. And like the disciples, we melt down pretty easily, right? <laughs> Think about our children when we talk about meltdowns. Um, you don't stop having meltdowns as adults. You just know how to manage and cloak them better, right? The reality is is that none of us can survive the cross. That's why the, the center of cultivating courage, the courage of faith, is not about finding and summoning a kind of a hidden strength that dwells within me that I need to tap into, but rather turning our gaze outside of ourselves to the one who faced the cross fully, to the one who overcame the fear of death by experiencing the fullness of death. Our courage comes from looking to him and to placing our trust in him and our hearts and our hopes in him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says to his disciples In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. This is the bedrock truth of the courage of faith. Jesus has overcome the world, and because he has, so we will, will we. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we live in a world in which there is a great deal to be afraid of. Um, pandemic, virus, sickness, death, political strife. There are uh, so many things that are outside of our control, There's so much about the future that we don't know and that unnerves us. Uh, We are gripped by fear at so many levels. Lord, we need this courage of faith. We need um, within our hearts the deep sense that Jesus has overcome the world and because he has overcome the world, so will we. Give us strength and give us courage, we pray, during this season to place our hands in your hands in the hands of your providence, Lord. So be with us this now as we continue our worship. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.